Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Good morning once again, Charged Up Studio listeners. This is Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Market Academy, LLC. And today we've got an exciting show uh, for you coming up. This is Lane Kawaoka. Kawaoka, right? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dana. Yes, yes. Lane is the CEO of SimplePassiveCashflow.com. Lane, welcome. Yeah, aloha, everybody. So you just had a brand new baby. Tell us about it. Um, yeah, first kid. Uh, that's what all simple passive cash flow is all about, right? Yes. Girl, boy. a girl. Yeah, a girl. Cool, cool. Oh, they get harder as they get older. I've got, I've had one boy and one girl, and I tell you what, the boy was so much easier. <laughs> oh boy well, this well, enjoy the girl already. while she's little because once she hits around 10 12 years old that's when the trouble starts <laughs> right right gotta borrow my gun collection from my friend <laughs> no that's that's true that's true so tell me a little bit about you know um, your organization what you do um how do you benefit solo micro entrepreneurs yeah, so today I own 4,800 rental properties. Um, we didn't always kind of start off like this. Um, I My story kind of starts back in 2007 when I graduated college with my engineering degree. Okay. Um, my kind of story is, you know, as an engineer, I was never really fulfilled with that type of job, nor did it really pay the bills and then some to be able to be financially independent. Mm. Um I started investing in real estate, and today we at Simple Passive Cash will educate other folks that to learn how to invest more passively, right? Because I think when people think of real estate investing, you you think of all like the house flipper shows, HGTV shows, much more active, riskier type of real estate activities. I want to refrain from. To me, it's not really investing. Investing is passively investing so that your assets work for you harder than you work for your money okay all right so um i've got some experience in this okay and i'm going to get down to some nitty-gritty questions for you as far as this is concerned because not not counting what's on tv hdtv you know or htv or whatever um any of that let's talk a little bit about the real estate market right now we know it's a seller's market as far as that's concerned, at least here in the Eastern uh, United States. I don't know. Where are you from, Lane? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a national thing right now, right? Okay. Low, low supply, 
you could argue whether it's more demand or not, but essentially prices are dictated by supply and demand. And right now we're in a period of very low supply with very few people putting homes on the market. And that's what's making the house prices go up. Exactly. But, uh, but as cash flow investors, passive cash flow investors, we frankly don't care. Uh, we buy properties that cash flow on a monthly basis. So we don't really care what the prices do. All okay. we care is... So basically what you're doing is you're buying and holding. Right. Okay. And and depending on the number of doors that you have, you know, is what your, where your cash flow is coming in. So if you have a multifamily unit or if it's houses or whatever, you know, my husband and I have um, our investors, partner investors in with a contractor that invests in multifamily. Right. Um, So and that's a cash. That's a that's a buy and hold situation. So there's monthly cash coming in from that. Now there's a lot of these organizations out there and real estate experts out there that talk about the ease of getting into real estate and and um, how you can turn that into passive cash flow. Is it really as easy as they claim it is, or what are some some hints or Things that you can tell our audience if they're looking to get into this this arena, what should they know going in? Yeah, I mean, like to exactly to your point, there's a lot of charlatans kind of selling people on this. Call them gurus. <laughs> they come yeah. into town. They do the big dog and pony show. They place spectators in the audience that run to the back of the room to buy the product, um, which is why I kind of focused on providing a lot of this stuff through the podcast and website for free. Um, and th- what I've always kind of been burned up with that is they always focus on people who don't have money. So they sell people on hopes and dreams and prayers where, I mean, to me, like a lot of my clients, they have good paying jobs, successful businesses um, where they are actively trading their money at a high rate. But where we come in is we teach them how to invest passively at some point you can only work so hard at one hand it's right. smart to take the, the money and put it into the other the more passive side unfortunately with passive investing you need money to invest if you don't have money to invest y'all can't invest <laughs> and right. that is the key difference here and and now talk a little bit about the investment side of things because um what what we did meaning my husband and i you know when i left the workforce um, I had my 401k and we turned around and re- reinvested it into an organization that would let us self-direct it. All right. So that we could self-direct it into investments and then the cash flow coming in from that would go right back into the 401k. So therefore you're building your 401k at a higher interest rate than you are if you're just doing stocks, bonds, whatever, you know, that right. Type. right. I mean, Essentially, whether it's in a retirement account or not, um, which we can kind of get into. I'm not a big fan of retirement accounts because that's right. not the, what the wealthy do. The wealthy do very different things than what we're all taught. And, you know, I kind of got lucky and learned this early on that the wealthy buy assets that put money in their pocket every month. And a lot of things like mutual funds, these Wall Street options, they just don't do it. Um, they don't no, do they 401ks don't. and stuff like that. They do things very differently, but. I got lucky that I kind of found the right people that taught me the right things. And I was able to learn by, you know, having peers that kind of did this stuff. What were the secrets of the wealthy? And it's something that anybody 
can do, but it's for, you know, your parents don't know how to do this, your friends and family, your coworkers, they're all doing it the traditional dogma type of way, unfortunately. Right, right. You know, these organizations that are out there peddling these real estate, you know, um, courses and things like that and, and requiring 20, 30, $40,000 to join. And they're talking about tax liens and they're talking about flipping properties and, you know, all of this, these are the shows that you see on HDTV, you know, um, yeah, I mean they're on they're on every yeah. every channel. Right? There's it's so it's so popular, right? Yeah. For good reason. It is. I mean, I I kind of find myself watching it from time to time. Oh, I do. Just for I like seeing the transformations. But you know, as you said, you know, you you have researched how the wealthy do their investing. But what about those that are not wealthy? They may have a very large. Um, investment in their 401ks or their um, their um, retirement accounts, KEO accounts, all of that. But, you know, maybe they might want to get involved in this. And, you know, what tips do you have that they can possibly start out doing this? Yeah. So, so I mean, essentially, you got to get on this escalator at some point. If you're bad with your money, you spend too much or you don't make enough money to be able to have a comfortable amount left over at the end of the year. And I would say anything between five grand per year to $30,000 that you can save, you got to work on your personal finances. And I'm not the person to follow for that. There's hundreds of different blogs and articles right. mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. But for most working professionals, people with successful businesses, you know, you've got cash flow, you've got a positive stream of cash flow. Um, if you're a non-accredited investor starting out, or especially under a quarter million dollars net worth, I would start right. off like how I did, buying single-family home rental properties. Right. The key there is buying properties that meet this 1% rent-to-value ratio so that you know that it'll cash flow on a monthly basis. So you take the monthly rent divided by the purchase price you know, for that 1% rule or higher. So you know, for example, we'll, we'll start people off with a lot of these $100,000 properties right if you live it out in the east coast or california probably think we're crazy right but most people in america live in good solid three bedroom two bath hundred thousand dollars that rent for a thousand dollars a month right that's exactly it you know um i know here you uh, three bedroom two bath rental is going to be you know right around sixteen eighteen hundred dollars a month here in orlando you know, right. So. And, and that would cost maybe $300,000. So yeah. $1,600 divided by 300 grand. It's a little bit more than half a percent. Eh, not going to work. Yeah. You need 1% yeah. or higher to be able to cash flow. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, you know, we own a property in Sanford here. It's completely paid off, but it's, it's, it's really not a popular, it's, it's a two bedroom, one bath, but it's free cash flow for us, but it's not, yeah. you know, well, you know, that's, and that's another big mistake that a lot of people make, right? They, they have this idea of the payoff properties because they're debt adverse. Right. The wealthy use debt prudently. Right. right. There's and a I've difference between good debt and bad debt. Essentially, what you have to do as an investor is, yeah, it's nice to have cash on properties. That's, you know, that's what the website's called, right? But yeah. what's at the end of the day, what the wealthy look at is the impact to their net worth. You're not prudently leveraged when you have paid off properties or close to be paid off properties. You're still bringing in the same amount of income in. Exactly. Therefore, your return on equity is very low. Right. So imagine if you own a million dollar property and you're bringing in three thousand dollars a month or thirty six thousand dollars a year. 
Um, of course, you have to pay a lot of expenses. Usually 50% of that goes to expenses. You're right. only making 1% to 2%, right? right? But if you had effectively leveraged that, it would be 20 times higher than that. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that's, that makes sense, you know, as far as that's concerned. Right. Um, but most, I mean, most investors invest like that, right? And it, it's not a good strategy, but it works. And that's, that's how good real estate is. You can have not the optimized strategy, but it's, you know, in 10 to 20 years, you're going to have one to two paid off properties. But what we like to get people is let's get them, let's effectively leverage the properties so that they can safely cash out every month, but grow their net worth aggressively at the same time, which means as their, as their equity position goes up, you know, maybe they're, you know, certainly before they're half paid down on the mortgage, they go and either refinance, cash out, um, take the money out, or they sell the asset by two or three in its place. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. So in a market like now, okay, I would imagine you're not buying a lot of properties, right? I mean, there's always properties to be found, right? I mean, whenever you read headlines, I mean, headlines kind of are, are just averages and medians. I mean, at some point, as a more experienced investor, you should be kind of going more towards the pocket deals out there, the the deals that outliers, as we say. Um, mm-hmm. And we actually work more in the commercial real estate space these days, which isn't dictated by comparable sales or emotion, essentially. Um, this is why we buy larger apartment complexes to, to kind of get away mom and pa investors, kind of swim a little bit upstream where, you know, we pay for how much the property makes money based on net operating income or for the business owners out there, essentially sort of like a beta, right? We pay off, we pay, the property's value is based on a multiple of its profits. Right, right. And what, and and also the occupancy rate. Well, that is the profits when you talk about, you know, occupancy, you know, and things like that. Um, because the apartments or the, the projects that we invest in, we invest in the multifamily. Usually it's going to be the college um, uh, multifamily, you know, the, the um, apartments around various universities and right. things like that. Okay. That's where we're investing. And then also in strip malls, we're actually investing in some strip malls as far as that's concerned. What do right. you have to say about the commercial side on that side? We, we like residential multifamily, but where we, I kind of differ is like, I like workforce housing. To me, college towns and military towns, you're, you're at the whim of like the military and should a college just decide to build up a dorm, right? I think in most division two, division three campuses and small tertiary markets, you should be fine. But yeah. normally again, we're, we're trying to buy properties in areas where it's, at least a half a million population or larger. Yeah. So you're going to have a division one college. So typically they're going to have a pretty robust housing system there. Um, college housing and military housing is just a small portion of your, your population out there. We would prefer to be in a, a, you know, at least a cohort of or tenant base of, you know, the majority. So your lower middle class working um, wage earner. You know, yeah. making anywhere from 30 grand to $80,000 a year. Um, and then this is where, you know, this country is population is going up. 
we all know the thesis on the growing lower middle class, the shrinking middle class as they go and they have right. the only thing they can afford are, you know, value-based apartments like ours between the $700 a month to $1,400 a month. Right. Um, and it's kind of more, to me, it's more stable and less based on some kind of um, government program or a, a third party um, university or something like that. And how, and how do you manage the, um, the management of the property, the property management? Do you have a property management firm that you hire or do you have your own division or what? Yeah, so we play the role as asset managers, but we employ property managers under us. So in the commercial real estate space, the reason why we like the commercial side is as opposed to residential real estate, a lot of times you're not aligned with your property manager. For example, the property manager makes more money when you have a vacancy and they have to fill it and they take a half a month or the full month's rent. With us, we drive our property managers based on profit and loss and different KPIs that are more aligned with ultimately what we want is our profits as owners and operators. Um, So, you know, but I think like, you get to that point later on and most accredited investors become, they, they jump into syndications and private placements as passive investors where they don't put any debt in their name. They don't have any management responsibilities and have very little legal liability. But, you know, I don't think you can start there, especially if you have a lower net worth. Um, right, like right. I didn't have that when I graduated college. I had to buy 11 rental properties before 2015 to get my net worth up to a certain level to become accredited so that I could participate in these private placements and syndications. Huh. Yeah, right now we use trusts a lot for a lot of our, our things as far as the properties and stuff like that to keep them out of our name. Yeah, and, yeah, but, but you're still the managing member, right? You still have yeah, got legal liability. Managing, managing member, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what a lot of, this is what I learned. When I had 11 rental properties back in 2015, um, you know, 11 rental properties gave me a few hundred dollars of cash flow per property. Um, I was cash flowing maybe $3,000 a month, you know, not, not going to complain. Most people would love to have that, right? Next yeah, yeah. Month. But I quickly saw the writing on the wall that, you know, with 11 rentals, I had maybe an addiction or two every year, some kind of big issue that happened, like a tree falling on the house, some kind of big plumbing repair exactly. happens exactly. every quarter. And I'm like, all right, well, I need more like $10,000 passive a month. Therefore, I'm need 30 of these houses. So multiply that exception rate by three. Uh-huh. An eviction every other month, some kind of big attack that happens every two weeks. Yeah. And about this time, I started to join different masterminds, get around other higher network doctors, lawyers, engineers, entrepreneurs. Right. And they were all investing via this form of syndications where they come in as a passive LP within their trust, or a lot of people own their, pers- their, their ownership right. personally but they diversify over dozens and dozens of deals. Uh-huh. And now they're able to pr- choose different asset classes, different partners, different geographic location, not only and different deals. Right. And that was the way that they, they also unlock all these extra tax benefits. Um, so like on our larger properties, we'll do like a cost segregation, take this huge bonus loss, depreciation loss. And some people are able to offset all their ordinary income that strategy yeah huh but you said as you said the key is to a a good investment is um the um monthly rental that you plan on pulling in 
divided by the overall purchase price has to be 1% or more. It's a complicated uh, topic when we start talking about, you know, the diversification and protecting yourself, like I said, with trusts or, as you said, asset management, you know, um, all of that. It's, it gets pretty complicated. If you are considering getting into this industry, where would you, what would be the, the, the say, the two or three primary key points that you want to get across to somebody? Who's well, to- it, it seems kind of complicated, but I mean, the reason yeah. why it's simple passive cash flow is that at the end of the day, it's very simple. The problem is there's just a lot of noise out there, right? right. Everybody's jogging for your, your attention, tax liens, this, wholesaling, this. Flipping you know, there's, you know, yes. Flipping coupons, you know, I mean, there's a very small subset of like in the world of real estate investing for high net worth professionals that make, have money to invest. What optimal set of strategies for investing, tax, legal, and legacy creation. It, that's, that's what simple passive cash flow is all about, right? Distilling those best practices that the wealthy do. That's very different. And, and it is kind of complicated because there's nobody around you that can tell you how to do this because my parents didn't know how to do this when I was at work. You know, those are the last people you want to listen to. People stuck yeah. at day jobs all day long. Um, right. And that's what you want to get out of, you know, right. and even, even getting out of that day job and starting your own business. It can still be considered a J-O-B if you don't do, um, you know, strategically put yourself in a position where you're not doing all the work. And that's what you're talking about doing is this passive income, you know, and through the syndication and everything, uh, getting away from doing all the work and just collecting, you know, your paycheck at the end of the month, whatever. Right, right. And, and, and I think this is to compound this even more, right? People think, well, I can just go to CPAs and attorneys and get advice from them, which to me is not the case. I would say 90% or more of these so-called professionals don't have a clue how to do this stuff. I mean, yeah. that's why they, they're still working their own day jobs, right? right. They, they right. figured this out and had insight on how the wealth could do this. They wouldn't be going and clocking in at their so-called self-business that they own where they're okay. trading their time for money still. Okay. So, so there's not anything that, you know, like you said, you participated in some masterminds and things like that to learn, you know, where would you recommend uh, maybe you, uh, recommend they go to get the education that they need. You yeah, know, I would say, learn. I mean, it, it depends on where you're starting, right? Like if you have some money to invest, you, you want to buy a $100,000 property and you have twenty dollars to $30,000 for a down payment, cool, you can get started, right? And that's how I would suggest starting out, just buying a rental property and you'll get on the escalator and you'll learn from there. And then more importantly, you'll meet the right peers and peer passive investors to expand your, your, your knowledge base. If you're an accredited investor, you've got a little bit more options. Uh, you can jump into private placements and, and syndications for the SEC um, right off the bat. But I would suggest just learning and getting educated. Um, if you're looking to buy rental properties, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. That's kind of my kind of free guide to buying these turnkey properties. Um, I guess we, we didn't define turnkey, but you know, turnkey is these properties that you can buy from these rehabbers. They'll fix a property all up new for you, new electrical, plumbing, new roof, new appliances. Sometimes they'll even put a tenant in there for you. So it's kind of like a rental property for training rules. Um, that's how I started. Uh-huh. You know, I was a busy professional. Um, 
and great way to get started, you know, without having to go and do this all by yourself and backwards engineering everything. Um, but, you know, I think all roads lead to, lead to the passive route at the yeah. end of the day. Right. And then the next step is to put it into the analyzer. The 1% rule is kind of a quick and dirty. Right. Exactly. Then you have to look at, you know, um, the expenses that are going to be involved with it. You know, if there's, if there's any rehab or anything that needs to be done to it, you know. um, Yeah. I'm a big proponent for like doing very light to little to no rehab. That way you can get the loan for a large amount and not coming out of pocket for all the other stuff, not being able to leverage it. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, something in a, in a halfway decent area um, hits that 1% rule, I think you're cooking. And then the next step would be, um, you know, people can download my free analyzer, it's an Excel spreadsheet that kind of breaks down all the income and expenses, vacancy, repairs, property management. And that's where you really have to kind of fine tune the numbers to make sure you're going to be able to cash flow on a monthly basis. Really. Um, Really? People can download that at uh, simplepassivecash.com slash analyzer right there. Okay. And then um, if we're looking at, say, commercial rentals or anything like that, or even even single family homes, you know, for rentals or whatever, um, what are the guidelines that you look at when you're looking at an area? You said 500,000 or more population? Yeah, you, you're looking for more of like a tertiary, large tertiary or secondary market. Um, primary markets such as all of California, Seattle, Boston, New York, it's not going to work. You're not going to find cash flow there. You might as well not, not even look. Um, a lot, and this is where it comes in where, you know, where you live probably won't be a good place to invest, unfortunately. Um, you know, I would never buy a house here in Hawaii or I would never buy a house in Seattle. They just don't cash flow. They're more appreciation markets. Um, so we target locations where the population is going up due to job growth, um, more red states, because when we're the landlords, we want the landlord-friendly laws on our side. Um, to me, if you can't pay, you can't stay. Yeah, um, yeah, no. That's and exactly. I, still, I still gotta pay my bills as a landlord to make my debt payments. So okay. those are kind of the big criteria. Um, a lot of states that we focus in on are like Arizona, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and a lot of those Sunbelt states, because, you know, not only a better economic growth down there, but, you know, that's where the population is generally moving towards from the Northern states, the Southern warmer states. Okay. Um, speaking of, I'm in Florida. Okay. And there's a lot of um, multifamily commercial properties going up right now. They're building quite a few of them down here. Or Orlando, right? Orlando. Yes. Yes. Now, my question is, the other thing that's really, um, it pre-COVID had really been hot and heavy were the um, investment properties that were rented out for Airbnbs and um, what the, the RBOs, you know, and things like that. What are your thoughts on that type of an investment property? Again, you know, that's like the college rentals and the military rentals. It's a very small niche, right? Um, the thing about niches is like you can be lucrative, but to me, I prefer to invest in where the majority of the clientele can be, which is, you know, lower middle class, just boring rental properties where everybody can invest in. Um, Short-term rentals are more your discretionary item. It's for people Mm -hmm. going on vacation. Um, 
you know, and, and I think this is where it's important to a little uh, diversify around in different asset classes. You, you never know what's going to be next. Who right. would have known that a pandemic, um, you know, impacted hotels and restaurants and right, right. shopping malls. Strip malls are, are okay. I, yeah. I don't mind strip malls, but like the malls of America are dying. Right. right. Nobody wants exactly. to go to a mall. Any of those enclosed malls are, are now going by the wayside. But um, yeah, no, when you start talking about, you know, like I said, these investment properties that are being used as vacation homes here in Florida, they're really popular because people are yeah. it's I, more feasible for them to rent a home as opposed to going to hotel rooms, you know, and things like that. Yeah, so. we, we prefer to be on, you know, I guess we didn't talk about it too much, but like in terms of rental class, you know, there's a class, which are the luxury, nicer real properties. Right. right. We try and stay in the B and C class, which are your lower middle class areas. Definitely not in the war zone type F properties. Yeah. yeah. But in the yeah. sweet spot, because the idea and theory is in hard times, the A class moves to the B's, the B's moves to the C's where we are. So in hard times, you know, nothing's recession proof. But I feel like when you're in the sector of class B and C housing, there's probably your poise a lot more is a stronger position than any other asset class out there. Where if you have a short-term rental, you're screwed, absolutely yeah. screwed with yeah. that. Yeah. And you can't rent, you, you can't rent it out long-term because you're not going to cash flow in that right. property. Um, very, yeah. it's, I, and this is another thing, like we try and stay away from things where the mom and pa unsophisticated investor can just get into. It's very okay. easy to get a nice, Airbnb, get it set up on Airbnb or make a little website and go. We really want to try and stay away from the mom and pa investor, which okay. is why we kind of stick to like 60 to 100 unit plus apartments. Okay. Okay. And that makes sense when you talk about now, did, did the, um, the recent recession that we had where uh, a lot of people were upside down in their homes, losing their homes, did that positively affect you? on the uh, rental side? I mean, that's, that's why we like apartments too, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really have any residential properties, little rental properties here there anymore. Um, but in my opinion, whether it's, take it for what it's worth, right? I'm just looking at my crystal ball, but I feel a lot of hate, uh, pain coming through as a lot of these people have deferred their payments. Right. Um, and there's going to be some foreclosures. I don't think it'll tank the market, like help some people like to you know, sell YouTube videos and newsletters, mm-hmm. like to say. Um, uh-huh. Ultimately, a lot of those guys are just trying to sell you on gold. So always check your sources and what's their means and right. reasons for right. doing what you're doing. But to me, I mean, as I kind of look at my own business, you know, when people have to move out of their houses, where do they go? Yeah. Well, they go to their value-based apartments. <laughs> so yeah. here we are. We'll be open. So where do you see the market going right now? Um, I'm actually, I'm pretty bullish. I mean, you know, you look at all the unbiased data out there. A lot of them are saying that GDP growth will be four to 6% these next few quarters. Um, there really wasn't anything wrong with the economy to begin with. Um, there is rampant inflation at this point. So what you want to be doing is buying things that go up with the pace of inflation, such as real estate. Ideally, it cash flows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it is kind of sad, right? Because people who don't own anything or 
maybe own their houses outright, right? They're seniors. They're going to be screwed because their dollar is going to be robbed from them in their, in their sleep and when they're awake yeah. by inflation. Yeah. Um, and that's the sad part. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, this is this this is the type of industry that does take a lot of foresight, a lot of, you know, being able to 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 see the trends coming down the, you know, down the pike, you know, and being able to follow those cyclical cycles. You know, COVID threw a, a monkey wrench into that cycle this time, you know, as far as that's yeah. concerned. But um we're getting close. We, well, we are at the end of our show right now. Um, do me a favor, Lane, and tell everybody how they can get a hold of you if they want more information. And also uh, repeat the address where they can download your um, calculator. Yeah, so if they want to get that free analyzer, they can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash analyzer. Um, if you're not a credit investor, what I would suggest, take out, start out with a rental property. Um, simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey would be the place to go for that. My podcast, when I started it back in 2016, I talked a lot about buying single family home rentals remotely. Um, as I became more of an accredited investor, the topic materials have tra- changed quite drastically to where it is today. But, you know, you guys got to, if you keep doing what everybody else is doing, you're going to get where everybody else gets right. work another 40, 50 years. Um, I mean, this is, I learned, I got lucky and I kind of stumbled upon this very early. And, it, you know, in my little rental property, I made like 10, 20, 30% returns on my money. And it wasn't that great of a rental, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I was like looking at my 401k, I'm like, supposedly I'm making only 8 to 10% and it goes up and down like a roller coaster. Right. And I was like, well, what the heck? Right. And yeah. as I've seen many people do, you know, kind of after I've met with them if everybody just followed what I did and got on the path of buying a handful of rentals, they'd yeah. be financially free and very quickly, a lot of times less than a right. decade. Um, but, you know, society will not function if everybody did this, right? <laughs> it's, wow. it's daunting. Yeah. It's different. Nobody else does this. You're going outside your comfort zone and like everybody, we need people to get our coffee and build bridges, right? Society would not function if you just bought a handful of rentals and peaced out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You need those, you need those that do and those that, you know, uh, can think outside the box and can, you know, so yeah, no, definitely. Um, anything else, any last tips you want to leave us with Lane? Yeah, just get started. I mean, if you, I, I think this stuff does work. Um, it's not easy, but it's very simple. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate you spending time with us today, Lane, and congratulations on that new little girl. What's her name? Uh, Kira. Kira. Oh, beautiful name. Beautiful name. And that's the end of this, uh, this segment, and I look forward to talking to everybody next week. Thanks again, Lane, and that's it. All right. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.